Okay, let's begin Parsha Shlach, Tafshin Pei, as we get into the one of the major parshios regarding Eretz Yisrael, the major parsha about uh, Aliyah and the rejection of the land uh, of the great Chet uh, that we'll, uh, we'll touch on, and uh, the tikkun that we have to do, uh, that we do every uh, Tisha B'Av, what we remember, that they came back, and uh, we have to do what we have to do to be able to uh, speak about the uh, godless and the uh, greatness of the of the land, uh, this Parsha Shlach. But there are always many messages, and that will is what we will uh, focus on again as we get into the Parsha. So, if we get into the Tzivui that Moshe Rabbeinu told the Bnei Yisrael, Hashem says to Moshe, Shlach Lachan Hashim, Yasura Eretz Kanan, send men and go search out Eretz Kanan. Asher Ani Nosein Bnei Yisrael. That I am giving. Hashem already declares, I am giving this land. Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Kenan, and they send the Nesim of uh, each of the Shvatim, Eila Shmos Hanashim, these are the Shemos, these are the names of the men that should go out, Moshe changes Hosea to Yoshua, and then we have Pasuk Yuzayin, Vayishlach Osam Moshe, Losurus Eretz Kenan, Moshe sends them, Vayomer Alehem, Aluzeh Banegev, Vaalise Mesahar, go up in the south, through the south, Va'alisem Esahar and go up the mountain. Which mountain is that referring to? Va'alisem Esahar. What exactly is the reference to the mountain? So there is a beautiful piece that Rav Salvechik has in source number one in the Mesores Harav, where he contrasts this to when Yaakov Avinu sent Yosef, comparing this to when Moshe sends the Miraglim. Says the Rav, says Rav Salvechik, Moshe told the explorers the reason he was sending them and the purpose of their mission. He explained to them everything. It was clear. It was open. There was a view that Moshe was giving them. To understand this, explains Rav Salvechik, we must turn back to the story of Yosef being sent by Yaakov to inquire about the welfare of his brothers in Shechem. What does it say, say there? Yaakov sent Yosef, may Amek Chevron, the valley. Here it's the Har. There it's Me'emek Chevron. What's the message? We know Rashi comments there in Parshas Vayeshev wasn't Chevron on a hill. Maybe it was in the middle. But Me'etza Amuka, from the deep Etza connected to Avram Avinu, who was buried in Chevron, that this was ultimately going to be a fulfillment of the. The Medrash saw great symbolism in the word Amech Hevron, as Rav Salvechik explains. It was a valley surrounded by towering mountains. When one is in a valley, one can see very little. Right? One can't see the horizon. Everything is blocked. He lives in a shadow. His field of vision is limited. However, a person standing on the peak of a mountain can encompass a large area with a single glance. His field of vision is enormous and vast. Yaakov Avinu, when he sends Yosef, his vision was somewhat limited. He didn't reveal to Yosef what exactly what was happening. He himself didn't even know. Yaakov was completely unaware of the consequences this errand would produce. He was in a valley. He did not see far enough. His intuition, his outlook, his glance usually embraced enormous areas. Yaakov Avinu had a huge vista of vision. But not this time, not on that day. Had Yaakov used the intuition, he would never have sent Yosef. He knew what was going to happen. 
but he was only he was in Amek Hebron. Had he been on the peak of the mountain as he usually was, he had been inspired. Had he been inspired that day, he would never have lost Yosef. But he descended with Yosef from the peak of the mountain to the valley into the depression, and his view was obscured. Right? We know this happened to Yaakov Avinu again in Parshas Vayechi, right? When he wanted to say over the moment, the redemption process. And Hashem took away the Ruach HaKodesh at that point. Beginning in Parshas Vayechi, the Gemara in the Mesechas Psachim. But at that moment when Yosef was sent by Yaakov, so he was in an Amek. The history of Jewish exile started the very moment Yaakov turned his back on Yosef. That is when Gola started. The second that Yaakov sends Yosef and he turns about. And now we're on the upswing. From that moment of Yaakov turning around, now it's Moshe heading back, heading up. Think about the vision. We are elected to carry out another assignment, a much more pleasant and joyful one. We're elected to climb up to the mount, to stop on its peak and cast a searching glance. We belong, Rav Salvechik says, not to the waiting generation, but to the fulfilling generation. This was meant to be the Dor HaNechnas La'aretz. The Dor Yotei Mitzrayim and the Dor Nechnas La'aretz were supposed to be one and the same. Weren't supposed to be two separate ideas and two separate generations. That is what Moshe told the explorers. Yaakov came down the mount. You go up the mount. You go take that vision. Moshe said, go through the Negev where so much history happened. V'chulu. And... We recognize, says Rav Salvechik, that sometimes Jewish history is about being in the valley. Sometimes Jewish history is about being on the mountain. Rav Salvechik says, at this moment in history, they should have been on the mountain. They made a mistake, right? They, the, whatever the mistake was, as, as we'll talk about it a little bit, that we've spoken about it, then all the Mepharsh should talk about. But Alisa Mezahar is the opposite of Amek Hevron. Moshe had a complete vision of what was meant to be. The opposite of Yaakov Avinu, who was from Amek, Hebron. Okay. Moving right along, let's go to the second idea. And we come, and Yosef, uh, not Yosef, Moshe sends the uh, the Meraglim, and he gives them the instructions, Uri check out the land, check out the Am, the cities, and they go up. And they come to Hebron. And Chazal already pick up on the fact that Vayavo changes to Lashon Yachid. Everything up till now was Vayalu, Vayasuru, Vayalu, Vayavo. Whenever there's a switch in Lashon, Chazal pick up on it. Vayichan Shom Yisrael, obviously a famous one. Vayavo, says Rashi, Kalev Levado Halachsham. This was only Kalev. Kalev went to Hebron. Vinish Tateach Al Kivrei Avos. And he went to Davin. Went to Davin at Kever Avos. Shaloye Nisas Lachaverov Lios Beitzasam. He knew the danger that stood ahead of him and he needed to take some chizit. He needed to plug himself in a little bit, to be able to get strength from his ancestors. So Vayavo is a reference to Kalev. Question one, 
So why Dafka at Hebron? He couldn't just stop him where he was. Did he did he know about this beforehand? Maybe he would have gone to Moshe Rabbeinu to ask for Chizik. Moshe obviously knew. He gave Yoshua another letter in the name. What's the message of Kalev going to Hebron for us? Is there anything that we could take out of that? And as we'll see, it's something. This thought you could say, one could say, at any Simcha ever. All right, this is the Simcha thought of the of the week, so to speak. So he goes to Kever Avos. There's another idea. The Pasuk tells us that the giants were in Hebron at the time. As if that's important to us. Visham Achiman Maybe it's a reference to the scariness and Chazal say that they were involved in many Leviathans and looked like grasshoppers. But is there another message? He goes to Hebron and there are giants there, the Torah tells us. Okay, we're not going to focus on that element right now. So what exactly is the message of he's going to Hebron and the giant sitting there? Says the Menachem Sion. Menachem Sion Zax, the son-in-law of Rufsi Pesach Frank. Says the Menachem Sion. He quotes the Rashi. And that's what it says later on. Right? Ekev, Avdi Kalev Ekev has a Ruach HaCheres He had a Ruach HaCheres. And he got that Ruach HaCheres because he went to Hebron. Line 6. Kalev knew he was going into a difficult situation. He knew he was going to have to stand strong. He knew that there were going to be challenges ahead of him. He looked inside and said, how can I strengthen myself? What is the surest way of protection? What is the surest way of succeeding in my goals in life? There's one sure way. Connecting to my ancestors. Connecting to my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. That's the key to success, says the Menachem Sion. And Kalev knew that. Kalev ra nochach. Shebegoralo eila lihimatzei bechevres rishoyim. He's been traveling with them. He knew now what they were up to. We know it was already the attitude going there. It wasn't just the attitude coming back. It was all about making the land of Israel seem so not inviting. Besides the natural love that he had for Eretz Yisrael, he needed he needed some extra extra reserve. He needed some extra armor. So so much pressure from these other ten tribes. There were ten of them. He was Kalev, but there were ten of them. How convincing they were going to try to be. They knew that if Kalev wasn't on their side, they would have less of a chance. Pirish Mahams, he went to be Nishtatik al Kever Avos. Shekol Echad Mishloshes Avos. Each one of the Avos had to fight their own battles and had to stand on Aver Echad. Ahmad Beaver Echad, Binisyonos Maud Kashim. Kishakal Haolam Kulo Ahmad Beaver Acher. The whole world was on the other side. Obviously, Avram Avinu. But even more, Shamis Palal Kalev, Shavos Yatsilo of Azurachacheres, please give me the Ruach. Let me be successful. I need the Gvura. Shemi Biladad lo Yuchalahachzik Maimud. I won't be able to do it without you. Avram Yisrak and Yaakov. And he went and he took it with him. 
And now says the Menachem Sion, very fascinating and creative. The giants were there. Kalib went to see the real giants. There might have been giants in this world sitting in Hebron. But he went to see other kinds of giants. And it's the contrast of the different types of giants that the Torah is emphasizing to us. On the bottom of the page, Achiman miyuman shebaachim, Sheshai, shemeisemes ha'aretz kishchatot, v'talmai, teisemes ha'aretz that makes tlamim and furrows, calls them mechuvan lahatim or lahavlit, it's to emphasize, says the, says the, uh, um, saw the giants in front of him, right, alive. He saw He saw the three avos. He saw the physical giants. But then he saw the giants, the real spiritual giants, the giants of spirit, the giants of Ruach. And that's the Ruach that he needed and wanted. There was dirt and rocks and piles that were covering them. But he knew. And that's who Kali was going to these spiritual giants. And that's what he did. And maybe we could put this into every Amidah that we say, because as we know, the Gemara tells us in Mesechah's Brachas, you have to try to have Kavana for every Bracha in the Amidah. But if you can't, at least one. At least the first one. That Kavana is the most important. At least Avos. Why so crucial? Because if we want to accomplish anything in our lives, in our Tfilot HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it has to be on the shoulders of those who came before us. It has to be on the shoulders of those who produced us, who gave us everything and made our lives possible. And that's why Avos gives us Gvura. And three times a day we go through that process. Avos leading to Gvura. Says the Menachem Sion, every what we call Shmon Asrei, Bishabasos Umavadim, every Amida, every day, the middle changes, but the externals don't. The bracha that we have to have Kavani and Elise, our Chaim Simon Kufalif, we have to try our best is Avos. Achrei Birchas Avos Ba Birchas Gvuros Litzayin Shegvuras Yisrael Novas. And maybe that comes from Kalev. Ruach Acheresimo. He got a Ruach Acheres because he connected back to the Avos. And that's a Rashi quotes in Parshas Balak. But that is the Menachem Sion. Again, anytime anybody needs to speak at any type of Simcha, that's the Vart. Talking about family, talking about uh, parents and grandparents and ancestors. Right? This is what we go back to. Nishtatech al kevre avos. That is what Kalev. That is what Kalev did. Okay. Um, good. Moving right along. So we continue, and Kalev's the one that stands up. Kalev stands up. The Am comes back. The Am comes, and the Nesiim come. And what do they say? We came. 
here's the fruit. And they start convincing Amalek So many nations, and it's scary. Kalev silences the Am. El Moshe. What does El Moshe mean? We didn't not doing it this year, but remember the Meshachachma we did a number of years ago, where the Meshachachma says, what do you mean El Moshe? Kalev silenced the Am, El Moshe. Don't think it's, it's Moshe has any inherent power in your, it's going to be a physical. Right? They were going to deify Moshe. No! Alonal Hashem's with us. Yachonuchal. The Meshachachma we did a couple of years ago. But the question that is asked is, why only did Kalev stand up? Fine, Kalev went to Kever Avos. Yeshua ben Nun got the extra Yud. The Chafetz Chaim discusses why each of them, you know, uh, did what they did. Each had a different type of Yetzirah. Good. But why Dafka Kalev? Why didn't Yeshua speak up also? The two of them should have both gotten up on chairs and started screaming at the Am. Kalev and Yeshua silences the people. No, only Kalev gets up. Only Kalev. We know Rashi quotes, Hishtik Kulam. He silenced all of them. El Moshe. Moshe. Rashi says, He silenced them regarding what Moshe was going to say. Tzavach v'yamar. He screamed, Is this the only thing Ben Amram did? Everybody thought that he was going to say something bad because that was his tone. This is what Ben Amram did. Or we mentioned in the past, he didn't say his name. He didn't say his name. He called it Ben Amram. And we quoted that part. When you say somebody's name from a Melach Shechter, you say somebody's name, that shows Hashivas. He didn't say his name. Right? Like in the Haggadah, the Russia doesn't say Hashem's name. The Chacham says Hashem's name. So that's why they thought Kalev was going to say something negative. And yet what happens? He stands up. Why didn't Yeshua say anything? Why didn't Yeshua say anything? Ask the Eish Talmud. Yesh kan makom l'she'ela gedola. Hinegam Yeshua binun. Vigam kalei ben Yifun elohayu ba'atzaz ha'maraglim. Kemoshin emer la'alon. Vechulu. Tzarech lo'avin madu'a dafka kalei ben Yifun e'uzushishakasa'am. V'dibar betovas Moshe v'eretz Yisrael. Yeshua binun didn't say a word. Why not? V'nire b'syata dishmaya. Says the H. Tamid. Let's remember something from last week's parsha. So this is a vart. Those listening in Chutzlaretz, one can say this this week too, because it has to do with last week's parsha. Remember, El Daru Medad. We're giving a prophecy, and Yeshua ben Nun comes to Moshe and says, "Claim, Moshe, stop them." Why? Because what were they saying? They were saying, Moshe Meis, Yeshua Machnas Yisrael Aretz. We said last week, the Rashi Tevis, Moshe was going to die, Yeshua was going to bring them in. This Nevuah must have been on the front page of the newspapers. Everybody must have been talking about this Nevuah. Yeshua is going to bleed them in. Moshe is going to die. Me'ata Nireh. How would it look for Yeshua ben Nun to say, Guys, let's go, let's go, we got to get into Eretz Yisrael. What would people be thinking? 
there's the Chazal already talk about this. Even though there's a mitzvah of Dalmakas and we have to try to be more Dalmakas Chus even for Tzadikim and Gedolim, very often the Hamon Am does the opposite for rabbis. And that's why the Gemara says, you know, rabbis have to hold themselves even to a higher standard. Adam Chash of Shiny. Because there's a tendency to be, they did it to Moshe Rabbeinu. Remember Moshe Rabbeinu came out of his tent too early. Oh, he must be having Shalom Bayez trouble. He came out too late. Oh, every excuse in the book about Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeshua Benun didn't want to give them any fodder to say anything. The Mishnah in Shkalim. You have to be very... It's also a Pasuk at the end of Seir Bamidbar. But the Mishnah in Shkalim quotes it. The Kohen did couldn't have any uh, pockets or, or hems when he went in to do the Trumas Alishka. But says the Eish Tamid, Yeshua didn't want to say anything. What would people think? Yeah, he wants he wants the job already. He wants the job. He knows that it's a bad land, but he wants to be the king. He's really they wouldn't trust him, and maybe they think even negatively. Shua didn't say anything. How many psukim? Haser mimcha akshus peh. Velazus vadaim archeik mimcha. Right, lekaim hashenamar v'isim nekiyam hashem miYisrael. He quotes the Mishnah in Shkalim. V'nim sachin v'seichal tov. What we say in benching. B'nei lokim v'adam. He didn't say a word. And there's another example of this. He quotes. Fascinating question. Moshe Rabbeinu davened and davened and davened to go into Eretz Yisrael. After Parshas Chukas. There's not a, there's not a Parsha that we don't get and Moshe Rabbeinu wants to. And he davens the davens. There's no evidence that Aaron davened. We don't find anywhere that Aaron davens to go in. Trade change the Xera. Why not? Okay, one might just say that we don't know everything that Aaron did. One might just say that. The Torah is about Moshe. He's the focus. So you might have David, but there should be a medrash. There should be something that Aaron davening to go into Eretz Yisrael. Why nothing? Again, he doesn't suggest this, but one might always say the Egel was in the back of his mind. For the rest of his life after the Egel, Aaron Cohen had a complex, so to speak. In a positive way, he always felt guilty. He always felt undeserving. The, the fire of the Mishkan doesn't come down, it's my fault. Uh, this happens, but it's me. He always felt that. So it could be that he felt Miani. Miani, it's, it's building on the ego. Moshe, what did he just hit the rock? But me? Okay, but he doesn't go down that path. Matzino Shinig Zagzera Moshe Viaron, Shali Consula Eretz Yisrael, Babon Chaitme Mariva. Moshe Rabbeinu here, Babatfila. Kedelvatel Roag Zera. Nothing Aaron did in Tavin. We don't have any evidence that he Tavin. Over and over again, he wanted to go in. Says the Zohar. He quotes the Zohar. Because again, there's a Shemetz. People might think something. 
What might people think? Everybody going into Eretz Yisrael is going to lose something. No more mun. It's one of the shot him for the Miraglin. They didn't want to go in because they wanted to stay in a miraculous existence. We'll get to that. Only one person is going to gain by going into Eretz Yisrael and starting the Mitzvah Satulios Baaretz. There's only one and his Shevet. And that's Aaron Akoin. All of a sudden, Truma and Shumas Meiser and Chala and Bikurim and all these other Matanos. Let's go in Derek Yisrael! Let's go! Maybe people will think something. A leader always has to think ten steps ahead. Ten steps ahead! And it still doesn't work a lot of the times. But this is what he has to do. Aaron Cohen and... Yeshua bin Nun. Again, it's something. Sometimes we don't even see. I remember years ago. Years ago. has to be at least uh, 30 years ago. 25 years ago. I remember it was one of my Rebbeim that uh, told us a story. That uh, he was he was uh, invited to a Leviah to speak at a Leviah of somebody he was close with when he was growing up. He had a crazy schedule, but he was able to make it out to the Leviah. There was a lot of traffic going there. And he finally made it there. And as he, he rushed in, he parked, they were all waiting, and he rushed in, and he, and he threw off his, he walked in, he, he didn't have time to like get even settled. They, they sent him up to the podium. He, he like got his coat off on the way, and he went up, and, and he gave an unbelievable hespid. Unbelievable hespid. Somebody comes over to him after the hespid, says, Rabbi so-and-so, says, yeah. He says, you're so firm, you wear your hat when you give a hesped? So whether you wear a hat or not is not the issue, but he ran in to get, he couldn't believe. He had rushed in, whether he takes off his hat or doesn't take off his hat, that's not the issue, but he was te- he taught us in rabbinic school, in smicha, that you always have to be ready for the comments. <laughs> you always have to do what you can, but sometimes, no matter what you do, and you don't even have any kavan, and you rush in to give a hesped, and, and people see something. So from both sides, we, the Hamon Am, have to always try to be down the kafschus, all of our great leaders. Again, we don't believe in rabbinic infallibility. They believe in papal infallibility. We don't believe in that. We don't believe in rabbinic infallibility, but we have to recognize that our great leaders deserve the benefit of the doubt, and maybe even more than that. But again, from the leader side of it, the leader and the rabbi always has to be squeaky, squeaky, as high as they can. And that's what Yeshua teaches us. And that's what Aaron HaKohen teaches us as well. We continue on the same Pasuk. Two thoughts from Rav Moshe Feinstein on Vayahas Kalev. <laughs> Two more thoughts on the left side. Says Rav Moshe, and there are such treasures. The Drash Moshe is, is not a fat safer, but there are such treasures in the Drash Moshe. <laughs> Vayahas Kalev, Matsinu, Shakarish Baruch Hu, Choshav Maisa Zeladavar Gadol. As we know from later on, Kalev standing up, Hashem said with amazing, He has Ruach Acheres, He's unbelievable, He gives me such Nachas. One second. How much did it accomplish? What did Kalev accomplish? He stood up, and they didn't listen to him. And Hashem gives them all this credit. The Dochik Lomar, what you, it's difficult to say, but you might say, 
it's it's a for effort. He he tried. He tried. If he tried, so Hashem gives him a lot of effort for trying. Says the Drash Moshe, okay, that's an idea. You have to try. Says Ramosha, I think it's different. I think there's something else, and we don't really usually read the Psukim like this. If you look at the Psukim, the Miraglim complain. The Miraglim say, oh, it's a terrible land, terrible land. Kalev and Pasaglamit stands up and says, we could do it. And these people are wrong. They're lying to you. I'm sorry. First Pasaglamit. Kalev silences them. We could do it. At that moment, after Pasaglamit, before Pasaglamit Aleph, stop time. Says Reb Moshe, it could be that at that moment, Am Yisrael wasn't so convinced to believe the Miraglim. At that moment, when Kalev stands up, what happens in the next Pasuk? The Miraglim have to again say, don't, we can't, we can't. What are you repeating it again? You already said it. Pasuk Lam they say again, Lo nuchal midos. What do they have to again? Pasuk Lamed Aleph, Lamed Beis, Lamed Gimel. Three, four psukim again and again emphasizing it's bad. And then, Vatisa Kolei Davainu has Kolam and they cried. Says Moshe, it could be for a couple of minutes, Kolev had them. For a couple of minutes, Kolev convinced them that this is what they had to do. But then they were convinced back. And the Chiddush HaTorah is giving somebody five minutes of Ruchnius is also unbelievable. We're Mechal Shabbos for five minutes of a human physical life. Says Ramosha, Hashem gave Kalev unbelievable schar for saving five minutes of the spiritual life of Am Yisrael. It wasn't going to last and it didn't last. But he helped for those few minutes. Kidamash Bamikra, Shidvarab Ho Ilu, It sounds like from the Psukim, the fact that they had to dig in in the next four Psukim and and push it hard. Push their agenda very hard. Right? Pasakhaftes wasn't enough. I'm sorry, Khafhes and Khaftes. Kalev says something all of a sudden they go, boom. They have to do more. Because Ramosha says they were convinced otherwise. Why they have to repeat it again? They had to start again. Wow. First of all, it's an be- amazing insight into the story. It's like you see these leaders up top. You see that I'm going this way, and you seem good, I'm going that way. And they're back and forth and back and forth, like a debate. But the other message, Saving even for a few moments is a Dover Gadol. To inspire somebody for a few minutes, even if it doesn't last. Right, we have to say, we're talking to a friend, a rabbi talking to a congregant, a parent talking to a child. Two minutes of inspiration is already a victory. 
even if it's not going to last. And even if it doesn't, that's what happened here. Kolei got all this char for a couple of minutes. One message of Vayaz Kolei of Moshe. So we have the Vayaz Kalev, only Kalev, and not Yoshua. That was the Ishtamid. Now we have Ramosha, Vayaz Kalev, even though it was only for a few minutes. The second idea is based on the next Rashi. Right? Rashi, what does Kalev say? Alonala, we can do it. Again, this thought is said by many, but we'll see it from Ramosha. Afilu Bashamayim, we can go up even to heavens. Vahu Omer, Asusulamos, Valusham, Natsliapachodvarav. If he says, told us to build ladders, we'll build ladders. We'll go up to Shamayim. With the ladders. And all the Mepharshim ask, what do we need the ladders for? Ladders aren't getting you to heaven anyway. Right? Even though there was a ladder to heaven, right? Yaakov Avinu, right? There hasn't been, right? So what does Rashi have to add in? B'Shem Chazal. The graphic imagery of the ladders. L'chor Tamua, again, now we're of Moshe in source number seven. Lama Amar HaMashal, Asu Sulamos, Havi Lo, Im Yomar, Alula Rakia, we, if he told us to go up to heaven, we'll go up to heaven. What are we need the ladders for? Answer. Popular answer. Venere. If you have an impossible t- task in front of you, just start. Just start what you could do. Hashem tells you to go up to Shemayim? Jump. Right. Build a ladder. But it's only going to get to the top of the tree. Build the ladder. Asusulamos. Do what's in the realm of the possible. Tsarachlasos komashe biachoto shenikar shirotze mamish. Oz yatzlichu Hashem yisbarach im ra'ui shashem yisbarach yazrehu. Vimlidvar mitzvah vada yazrehu. Avalavakesh Hashem, you do it for me. I'm not helping. That's like the mitzvah. The mitzvah priko teina. If the owner's helping out himself, then I could help. And I have a chiv to help. But if the owner's on the bench and says, it's your mitzvah, do it for me, I don't have to get involved. Shalachin, kasherotza leida, kala Torah. You want to know all of Torah? How can you know all of Torah? Efshar. Right? You have a whole list. I once saw, I saw a list this year. Rav Chaim Kanievsky, every Erev Pesach, makes a siyam on kala Torah kula. What's kala Torah kula? It's like 12 things. It's just 12 things. That's all it is. Right? Tanakh, Mishnah, Shas Mishnayis, Shas Bavli, Shas Yerushalmi, Medrash Rabbah, Shulchan Aruch, Zohar, a few other things. But that's that's it. It's finite. It's finite. You know what? Start. Start. Build the ladder. Al Yisyaish, Shalachain lo Yilmod Klal. If we just say forget it, we won't even start. So Achlomok v'Kochav v'Sichlo. Do as much as we can, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do the rest. Good. Moving right along. <coughs> Moving right along. The question is, maybe we could have started with this, how'd they lose it so quickly? How'd they lose it so quickly? No, it's this, this, uh, they were on such a level, and they lost it. It's just one quick little thought from Lubavitcher Rebbe. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, you have it in source number eight in Sparks of Hasidus, Hasidic thought explains that the spies suffered from binary logic. What does that mean? They thought there are two ways that God runs the world. And only two ways that God runs the world. They believed in Hashem, but they perceived that life is guided either by the laws of nature, or if God so desires by divine intervention. Nace, 
or Teva. They cannot conceive of the scenario where God's supernatural providence extends through the veil of nature. There's Nes, there's Teva, but we never heard of Hashgacha within Teva. That's something new. Everything we've seen till now, for the first 209 years that we were in Mitzrayim, it all seemed like Teva. For the last year, it all seemed like Nes. You're telling us that when we go into Eretz Yisrael, it's going to be Teva, but God's going to be behind the scenes? That was out of their realm of, of imagination. They couldn't fathom that. They, that that's not real. If, if, you, if you've ne- you can't fathom something, so then you don't believe it. You just reject it. Right? Try to, to explain you know, certain, certain concepts to, to those who are uninitiated. When the, spy, the spies argued, when the Jewish people would settle in the land, the miracles, no more miracles, no more mun, no more bear. So what's it going to be? Teva, we can't, we can't live like that. Because they thought there's Teva versus Ornes. There's no Hashkacha Betocha Teva. And that's what the problem was. For God's miracles had only proven that it could provide assistance by breaking nature. They had no evidence that God's providence would extend within nature. So the problem was, even though, even though if you think about it, remember the Ramban at the end of Barsha's bow? All of Nisim are to prove that there's no such thing as Teva. Everything is Nase. Exactly the message that Yisim Mitzrayim was supposed to give that was the chait of the Meraglim. They didn't believe in that. They thought, no, miracles, miracles, and teva is teva, and that was the problem. And they had to learn that. They had to learn that, but that was the problem, says the Lubavitch Rebbe, in one quick line. They believed in teva or nes, but not ashkacha betelcha teva. Okay, let's try to get in one more, maybe two. First, we get right after the Meraglim. What parshios do we have after the Meraglim? What parashios do we have? So we have the Mafilim, and then we have Perak Tezvav, the exciting section of the Nesachim. The exciting section of the Nesachim. I only say that half sarcastically, because we're about to make it exciting, so I don't say it in uh, such a way. Everything's exciting. The Nesachim. We just had the Miraglim, this unbelievable story. And then the Nesachim. And then we get to Chala. And we have the Mekoshesh. And then we have Tzitzis. So those who will be in the Shir on Shabbos, by the Shem, on Shabbos the afternoon we'll talk about Tzitzis. What about the Nesachim? What's the message? Why the Nesachim here? Rashi points out that the Nesachim aren't even obligatory now. So maybe it's an inner hint that they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael, or at least their children will go into Eretz Yisrael. Right? He told them that they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael, at least some of them. Okay. But why Dafka Nesachim? Says the Simula Banim, says of Kashtiel. Fascinating. The Gemara tells us in Meseches, Brachos, in the middle of the source, if somebody says Kriyashma without wearing tefillin, Rabbi Yochanan says, it's as if you brought a, it's as if you brought a carbon without the mincha and the nesachim. Saying Kriyashma without tefillin on is like bringing a carbon without the nesachim. What's the nesachim? Oil, wine, and flour. What's the connection between Kriyashma and tefillin and nesachim? Explains 
explains Rav Kashtiel. Adam she'ino meniach tefillin. B'Shaz Kriyashma. If somebody doesn't wear tefillin, what does tefillin symbolize? What does Kriyashma symbolize? Sovo mi ba'yabim arechet ha'yachasim she'bein olam ha'machshava va'kavana Kriyashma le'bein olam ha'yisum ha'nachas tefillin. Kriyashma symbolizes thought, ruchnius, connection to the spiritual realm. Kriyashma is kabbalas ha'machas shamayim. It's an acceptance of essence. That's what that's what Kriyashma is. Tefillin is the Olam HaMaisa. Tefillin is bringing it down, is concretizing it, is obligating it. Kriyashma without Tefillin means I could philosophize and I could theorize and I could talk all day, but I don't bring it down. Lamaisa, I don't I don't sanctify my life. I'm a kabbal amalchoshemayim, but I don't wear tefillin. That's kriyashma below tefillin. What's a carbon, an animal carbon versus the nesachim? As we know, the kuzari, bottom level is the domain. Then you have the tsomeach and the chai. So we don't believe in human sacrifices. So humans are taken out of it. But let's talk about the other two kinds of sacrifices. We have the animals. The animals have some type of spirit, as we know. An animal is alive. It has some type of nefesh. And then the tzomeach, the menachas are all from the tzomchim. Wine, oil, flour. They're all from that level of the pyramid. So suggest of Kashtiel, the animal symbolizing the spirit, that's parallel to Kriyashma. The total gashmi, the rovad, the level of Nisachim, that symbolizes the tefillin, the bringing it down to earth, to the most mundane, to what grows from the ground. If somebody says Kriyashma without tefillin, it's like bringing a carbon without the Nisachim. It's not grounded. You're missing the Maisa Mitzvos. You can talk about religion all day, but if you don't put on tefillin, then you're missing the point. Hakarban ha'ola oazevach ba'meachai v'ilo amenaches v'anesachim ba'emenat zomeach hakarban mevates roban hanafshi. Obviously, animal fish and a person fish are very different, but at least within the world of sacrifices, animals the closest we could get. We know a person is a substitute. V'hanesa v'hamincha es haroban hakarav lekarka hamasi ha'artsi when I give you a, bring a carbon, I'm trying to connect the upper worlds and the lower worlds. And therefore, I take an animal which is somewhat from some of the upper worlds, not really, but there's a nefesh in there, and I bring it with Nesachim, which grounds it in this world. It's about bringing Kedusha down to the world. And that's what St. Kriyashma without Tefillin is. And he says... He quotes from the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. What was the chait of the Meraglim? They couldn't bring the Kedusha down. They couldn't see how you could sanctify a land, a physical land. They didn't realize, they didn't, They needed, they were lacking the message of the Nesachim. That's why Nesachim are here. Nesachim are poured down as Kedusha from above to below. He quotes from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Hamaraglim hayu b'madrega gavomo, they were on a very high level. They don't want to bring themselves down to mitzvos. They're bringing the light of Hakadosh Baruch Hu down 
all the way. They might even think that's inappropriate. Kodesh Baruch Hu, all the way down. This Kedusha down here. So they rejected. And the Nesachim teaches them no. Nesachim means you got to bring it down. you got to bring it down. And that's why Nesachim are poured on the Mizbeach on top and it goes all the way down into the Kishkas, into the belly of the earth. And the Shisin. Because that's what Kedusha is about. It's about being up there but bringing it down. It went all the way down. He quotes from Rav Kook. That's the message. And that's what the Meraglim needed to hear. Okay, one final thought. Again, I think the uh, recording stopped a little bit. For those who are uh, who are listening, I'm sorry, I think there was like three, four minutes uh, earlier in the uh, in the vart of the Menachem Sion, but um, hopefully you got it from before and after. Uh, I just noticed it had stopped for a couple of minutes. But either way, let's do the last thought now. From the Lekartov. Quoting here, Lekartov, the uh, contemporary uh, Likut, quoting from the Saba Mikel. The Gemara Sanhedrin says, the passage towards the end of the parsha. Hidvar Hashem Bazaar, they disgraced the word of God, Ves Mitzvaso Hefar, and the uh, mitzvos were, you know, uh, pushed aside and denied, Hikares, Hikares, Rebna Roy Omer, says the Gemara Sanhedrin, if somebody could learn Torah, could be involved in a Torah lifestyle, and he's not, he hates the word of God. And the question is, it seems to be somewhat harif. Just because I can be Osik Batora and I don't, I am a Dvar Hashem Baza? How about neutral? You know, you cannot do mitzvos and not be a Dvar Hashem Baza. Why does it automatically translate if I'm not being Osik Batora when I could? Why doesn't that automatically translate into why does it automatically translate into Dvar Hashem Baza? Says the Chachmo Musar, says the Saba Mikel. A mushal. A mushal of a busy hotel. Again, something that we can't fathom in our present reality. But a mushal of a, of a hotel. Lebeit malon home orchem. Bekol rega magia pniyame echadam etarchim malon. The front desk is constantly, people are calling from the rooms, and people are checking in, and people need this, and people are that. Everybody's running and helping. Where's my room? Can you show me the layout? Can you show me the premises? Somebody comes. My shower doesn't work. The manager is Achrai. He's making sure everything's taking place. He's telling you, fix this guy and answer this guy and take this guy around. He's sending all of his workers. They're running the workers, the cleaners. They're all running to do the to do the malacha. All of a sudden, the manager passes by one of the rooms, and he sees one of the workers sitting on a couch and relaxing. He's playing cards with one of the guests. What's going to happen with this guy? He's not doing anything wrong. What did he violate? All he did was not fulfill. Isn't it neutral? 
isn't it neutral? It's not that he went dafka against, but what's the answer? Not fulfilling what you need to do is the greatest rebellion. You work in this hotel, so then you have to, that has to be on your mind. And if you're not doing it, that means you don't care about what happens in the hotel. Hayom Katsar Vamalacha Merubah. We're in this world to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a busy hotel. We're being called from a lot of different areas. Torah, Tefillah, Chesed. Everything's calling us. The Baal Abayis understands that we, we get some time off. That's true. But if we decide to play cards, instead of, of cleaning the room, the Baal Abayis is not going to be too happy. Kidvar Hashem Baza. We have to recognize that Vodas Hashem is an opportunity to work in the in the hotel of the world, which is called Earth. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us the opportunity to earn, to earn infinite, infinite connection to Him, as long as we do our job. We just have to make sure to work when we're supposed to be working, to relax when we're supposed to be relaxing. Hashem gives us a Shabbos. It's built in. It's built in time with the family. It's built in time away from the rest of the world. We just have to make sure that the rest of the time, when we're not supposed to be involved in that, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. You hear that this Pasha Shlach, as we say every year, should be the schus that every Jew in the world should recognize the uniqueness and the connection that they have to have to Eretz Yisrael and Hashem should be mezakeh, all of Am Yisrael, to come back to Eretz Yisrael very soon and have all of Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael for next year's Parsha Shlach. Right? If Hashem Mashiach comes, you know, this, uh, tonight, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow won't be a problem. But if Mashiach comes, you know, the beginning of next week, I don't know, the Bnei Chutzlaris will miss Parsha Shlach, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out to do, but, uh, either way, we should be so to such brachas. Okay, we'll stop here.